in, in my first 100 days as leader, this is what you will see from our government as priorities. The issue of housing. For the people who are living in the streets, absolutely. But beyond that, for the families that are earning a decent income out there, and you're looking around and you can't find a place you can afford to buy, you can't find a place you can afford to rent, we are on your side. You may not recognize that voice if you're outside of British Columbia. You may not even recognize that voice if you're inside of British Columbia, but that will be the next premier of British Columbia. He's the premier designate for now. He's now the leader of the New Democrats in BC. That is David Eby. He was the former attorney general. He got to work today. Uh, He will be sworn in at a later date. He won by, well, let's call it by acclamation. There was no one else by the time his rival, his only rival, Anjali Apadurai, was disqualified by the NDP party executive in what turned into a pretty contentious move over, quote, serious improper conduct Uh, related to signing up new members with the help of a BC environmental organization. There was a whole mess. We'll talk about it. But first, as you heard there, EB set out his plans for the first 100 days of his um, time in office, promising significant action to bolster the province's affordable housing. That's a big issue in BC. The healthcare system, that's a big issue everywhere. Public safety and the environment. And he says, former Premier John Horgan, who stepped down, after a series of health issues to make way for David Eby now, uh, has been a solid friend and an extraordinary leader through uncertain times. John and I have worked together for many years now in opposition and in government. Uh, He's a mentor to me, a coach. Uh, We both have a background uh, of playing sports and uh, and I felt that relationship of uh, player and coach very much uh, working with him. Uh, He is an amazing guy and he... uh, uh, has really left an historic mark on British Columbia. David Eby there. It is remarkable to think that right now uh, in both British Columbia and Alberta, in a very short period of time, uh, we will both have, both provinces will have new premiers that no one voted for. That at least they weren't the heads of their parties when they were, uh, when the last elections happened. We'll have two premiers who... um, New premiers with a vote being cast, really. That's not the way it works, by the way. It's not presidential, but at the same time, it is an odd thing to think about. So who is David Eby exactly? Will he do anything differently from John Horgan? And what will it mean for the BC NDP's chances of holding on to power in the next election? And how soon could that election come? You know, new leaders often like to have elections soon. Daniel Smith in Alberta will have to have one no matter what. But David Eby doesn't have to. He has a while to wait. Joining me to answer all of those many, many questions is Gerald Baer. He's an associate professor of political science at the University of British Columbia. Thanks for your time on this Friday. No problem. So he's a new face, but an old hat to the BC NDP. Um, he came up through some activism through Vancouver's downtown east side. He was well known in Vancouver. What can you tell us about David Eby, uh, the politician and the soon-to-be premier? Well, I mean, uh, he, I, he's you, you mentioned some of that elements of his biography. He uh, is a you know a lawyer, a lawyer by training. Uh, you know, he was suited to that attorney general position, obviously. Um, you know, involved with the BC Civil Liberties Association as well in, in some time, uh, some, of, some of his time before, uh, you know, getting into active elective office. Of course, uh, you know, he, he was elected in an interesting way, too. He uh, challenged Christy Clark in that Vancouver Point Grey riding the first time that she sought a seat uh, in a by-election, almost won, uh, and then did, in fact, defeat her in the, the 2013 election. And so she had to find another seat in, in the Okanagan, right? So she, he's been uh, there since then. So his, his time with the NDP goes back uh, to that uh, and then was able to hang on, of course, in, in that riding with the subsequent wins by the NDP in 17 and, 
in 20, uh, including the you know increase in the support of the NDP here in the province. So, uh, you know, part of that kind of magic <laughs> uh, formula uh, that has been much more successful for the NDP in this latest uh, version, uh, and somebody who seems to have acquitted himself as a really good manager, right? So if we think of a couple of the big uh, files, uh, I think the word dumpster fire had been used more than yes. times that I can count for ICBC and the casino industry. And he was he yeah. was in tar- char- charge of both of those files uh, for, for this government that, you know, faced some real challenges. Right. So I managed to do acquit himself pretty cleanly in those. Yeah, ICBC for listeners outside of BC is auto insurance. And yes, it was a dumpster fire, apparently, or at least that's what they called it. But he was certainly given some unenviable tasks or some big tasks, right? Cleaning up the Cullen Commission into uh, so-called dirty money was was his as well. So he oversaw some pretty big files during his time as Attorney General. He's not your typical retail politician, right? He's, he doesn't strike you as sort of the backyard barbecue handshaking. He's a, he comes off as being more cerebral in that way. But you've said uh, that's that's not a bad thing. That's part of his charm. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I do think he he is a little bit more cerebral. I do think he's he's not uh, uh, like you say a, a really good retail politician in that regard. I don't think he he is not Christy Clark in the way that she uh, you know relished a crowd and just wading into one uh, with a smile and a handshake for everybody. Uh, but at the same time, he's not a cold person. He's he's very friendly and, and charming in that regard. He is actually very tall. <laughs> and so he is very tall. I think maybe yes, that puts him off a little bit with. Uh, with the average person, uh, just in terms of, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a reasonably tall guy, and I find him tall. So um, <laughs> I, I do think it can it can be a little bit uh, stranger. But you know, he is uh, he's certainly affable. He's had a lot of connections across uh, the the province as well. So a lot of that work in the downtown east side, for example. But you know, he's well regarded in the legal community in which he you know got his start as well. He's known a lot of people. Uh, through that, and everyone that I've spoken to, and I don't—I'm not a journalist. I don't cover all of this, but I—you uh, know—people I've uh, spoken to have never had a, a bad thing to say about him in that regard. That he always sort of did his work and and was not somebody who seemed to be scheming and thinking up for himself. That he really was a genuine uh, person that way. Um, well, can we expect anything, anything different? It's been five years now. The NDP have been power in power. It's generally usually about after the five year mark that parties try to look to sort of refresh a little bit, heading into yet another election. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, it'll, it'll be their third. They, well, they actually lost in twenty seventeen. They didn't win as as many seats as the Liberals in right. twenty seventeen, but they still took power. Um, do you expect any change of, of gears here, or do you think more of the same, just a continuation of what we've seen under John Horgan? I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, if, if the party wanted to change gears, it had that opportunity. Uh, it had that opportunity in a couple ways, right? It had that opportunity, uh, again, viewers, listeners outside of BC might not know that, uh, you know, when it came time for uh, a leadership selection process, uh, when Horgan indicated his desire to, to leave office, uh, all the sort of potential front runners, all the f- people who had been talked about as the next leader, uh, all started to drop one by one and, and through their uh, support behind uh, David Eby, who hadn't even declared his own candidacy yet. Uh, so that was one side. The, ca- the caucus was clearly behind him right from the start. Uh, Anjali Apadurai is, is a sort of outside insider uh, who said that she wanted to take uh, a chance at a shot at it as well. Uh, but was offering a very different vision, one very much grounded in, of course, the environmental uh, concerns, climate change concerns, but also, uh, you know, she was actively out on the picket lines with BCGU employees who were picketing against the very government that, uh, uh, that the NDP is in charge of, right? So she was very much ready to take uh, a different approach to some of those things. Her 
healthcare platform, for example, included a 25% pay raise for nurses. You know, not something that the governing party is likely to to promise, no. given all the other demands that would come at them. So I think uh, you know a lot of what he represents is is a kind of continuation, uh, but also. Uh, a cautious recognition that the NDP is doing historically better than it's almost ever done in the province, uh, you know, and that they got a run going and they want to keep it going. They've, they've been more successful, you know, the farther east from Metro Vancouver you go than they've ever been. Uh, and they don't want to jeopardize that. Uh, they don't want to churn off voters. So, you know, even that announcement you, you played the clip of about housing, he's talking about middle class housing, not about uh, housing for, you know, I mean, recognizes the homelessness problem as, a, as something that requires government intervention, uh, but also, you know, that middle class people who are working hard should be able to find something to buy or rent as well. Uh, you know, there's a lot of challenges for premiers these days. Obviously, a lot of them are are, are jurisdictions that aren't necessarily their own, uh, you know, federal and so forth, uh, things that they worry about. Um do you see him when he gets onto the stage with the other premiers? I mean, we have a new premier in Alberta, at least for now, Danielle Smith. Uh, how is he going to mix it up with with the other folks? Because he has a, he's of a very different political ilk than the other Western premiers at this stage of the game, at least. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in the first uh, Alberta BC premier meeting uh, that goes on because oh, yes. I think they're very, I mean, not not utterly incompatible, but um, but I think from very different kind of backgrounds and interests. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we've, I mean, I don't know that, that Horgan would have had an easy time with uh, Daniel Smith either. Uh, but um, I do think uh, that one of element of that is not just premier to premier, but of course, uh, premier to prime minister. Uh, and Horgan and Trudeau seem to have a, a very chummy relationship. Uh, it, it's easy to bring up and remember uh, the in, uh, almost infamous, I guess, from the standpoint of the NDP federally uh, white spot lunch that they shared before the last That's federal right. election. Uh, a kind of an implicit endorsement, I guess, uh, from from Premier Horgan for uh, a liberal majority uh, at the federal level or certainly a liberal success at the federal level. Uh, I, I don't know if, if that's the kind of relationship that uh, Horgan, uh, that sorry, that EB will have uh, with Trudeau. Uh, I mean, Trudeau even showed up here in the province yesterday uh, to send off uh, Horgan. I don't think he was purposely here just for that, but did you know tweet something later in the day saying he really enjoyed the time that they were able to work together and, and considered him a friend and all that sort of stuff. So. Uh, you know, but that that is critically important. I teach my students when I teach Canadian federalism that uh, that the chemistry between premiers and, and prime ministers, or the chemistry among premiers, is really important to uh, some of the goals that governments have. And so, um, you know, if if uh, if EB wants to succeed on some of the investments in housing and transit that inevitably he'll want to do, uh, he's got to find a, a, a listening ear in uh, in the prime minister for sure. Gerald Bears with us this half hour. He's an associate professor of political science at the University of British Columbia. We're talking about uh, British Columbia's new premier designate. He got off to work today, David Eby. You may not recognize the name if you're out from outside of BC. Even if you're inside of BC, you may not know him that well, but he will be the next premier. He's the former attorney general. We've been talking a bit about his background, uh, what he's, where he comes from, where he may take the province and the party from here. Um, John Horgan, I mean, if you look back at his, at his legacy, he really did bring the NDP to somewhere where they hadn't been in a very long time. And with a weird combination of sort of folksiness and, and a bit of sort of, um, you know, a bit of, a bit of uh, ability to, to herd cats, to be frank. Yeah. I mean, I think, there was a folksiness. There was a sort of dad joke. Uh, John Morgan, I think, uh, was familiar to media. Uh, you know, uh, always kind of joshing 
uh, with the sort of senior members of the parliament or the parliamentary press gallery, you know, always, uh, even in, I think, the, the session he had yesterday made a, a joke about, you know, how long Vaughn Palmer had been reporting on uh, local politics and provincial politics here in B.C. Um, you know, he, I think uh, that was a genuine uh, kind of, you know, part of his personality. He also could be pretty fiery uh, when yeah. he was in, uh, when he was in opposition, uh, there were times when he could get quite uh, fiery. There's a even a sort of attempt, I think, on Christy Clark's part in that 2017 election to to kind of bring out angry John uh, because I think it didn't help uh, uh, the NDP's cause. But I, I do think uh, he was able to uh, to to manage to you know grow the party in, in that time. A lot of smart uh, strategists around him. Uh, but the other thing that I think was really striking about his tenure as premier uh, was his degree of, of decentralization. We, we talk a lot about how uh, premiers tend to, you know, collect a lot of power at the center and, and direct. And, you know, he, there were elements of that for sure, certainly in terms of communication and strategy uh, with his government. But, uh, you know, the face of, of the BC government during COVID was not the premier, uh, not like in Ontario with, uh, with Doug Ford. Uh, with daily uh, press briefings, even uh, Jason Kenney was in that sort of role as well. Uh, it was the, the Minister of Health and the Public Health Officer, right? Uh, uh, John Horgan just stepped back and let them uh, sort of take it. I mean, it, it might have been a smart strategy in one sense that he, he didn't wear the blame for unpopular decisions too, but at the same time, he was allowing uh, them to, to take the wheel uh, on the things they needed to. And it seems that he did the same with EB with some of the files he had. Likewise, when Carol James was finance minister, I mean, she had his implicit trust as a very old friend, uh, someone who had worked together for a, a really long time. And, you know, when he was able to let those ministers run their departments, and I think that was a little bit refreshing. Um, and it, it can it can work at, at times. There's a sharing yeah, of, they, of that work. They used to just drag him out when the party was in trouble. He'd come out and, and, and get fiery and sort of uh, have, have... He did yeah, it again yesterday. It is, the team yesterday. Yeah, so his last press out. conference, he took one for the team over this whole um, nomination thing. Did it surprise you at all that David Eby's... And this is, so uh, you know, uh, for listeners outside of BC, you know, the, the issue was that there was real, really no rival to David Eby for a long time. And a new one came in. There were some accusations that she was essentially... They were trying to subvert by by having memberships bought up uh, through you know it, it was it was a big a bit of a mess. In the end, the executive disqualified her, leaving Eb by himself. But did it surprise you that Eb would allow his campaign to be put in that position? Um, I, I do think it was it was it's not terribly surprising. I think the process is uniquely vulnerable, uh, and we right. just haven't seen it be that vulnerable uh, as it was this time around. And so um, you know clearly uh, the Abadurai campaign worked hard. Uh, they out organized in some sense, uh, but it, it's, you know, they're also out organized on, uh, I don't want to say false grounds, but, you know, they, they use techniques that probably are not meant to be allowed. Um, you know, right. the very good chance that, you know, the, the role of these third parties, like environmental groups and others, uh, yes, they were signing up sincere people who wanted to support uh, her in the leadership. But, uh, you know, if you're breaking the rules, you're breaking the rules. And so I think EB was lulled into a sense of, you know, it was a bit of a coronation, as has been leadership transition in the NDP the last couple times around. Um, and so he was lulled into that and didn't get the sort of boots on the ground to, to get uh, you know, a campaign together to sign up lots of new members, make sure that, that there were supporters there because it seemed to be a slam dunk. I think 48 of the members of the governing caucus oh, yeah. were he supporting was, him. He was, he was uh, a know, done deal. Yeah, the sure. speaker and the deputy speaker, you know, and the premier. So, uh, you know, it was, it was very much a kind of seemed to be a lock. And in fact, 
you know, uh, the, I think the caucus is very happy. Uh, reports are there were sort of two standing ovations yesterday, and he wasn't even in the room, uh, you know, when, when the caucus met. So uh, I think, uh, you know, all indications are that um, that he has definite support. This We're not in for a, a kind of Liz Truss moment here in, no. in D.C. Uh, he has uh, the genuine support of that caucus that way. There we go. Gerald Baer, thank you so much for your time tonight. Okay.